Hello and welcome to a very special bonus supplemental episode of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast for a non-Trekkie perspective. Now, long-term listeners may remember that in our very first episode, all the way back in 2016, when Matt, Paul and I listed our own Star Trek credentials, I mentioned that actually starred as the lead villain in a Star Trek fan film, and that film was Ambush, an original fan production which I shot my scenes for back in 2014. And eight years later, after an extensive post-production period, it's finally been released to the world on YouTube. And hopefully you'll agree that it's been worth the wait. This episode is a collection of three interviews with writer-director Greg Locke, cinematographer editor and visual effects maestro Thomas Saville and David Trumbull who plays Tarek in the film which were all recorded in 2016 and 2017 because of that there'll probably be a few small details about the film that have changed in the five years that have passed since but now that the production is finally out we really wanted to release these interviews as they give such a great insight into the fan filmmaking process especially in the wake of fan production guidelines that have recently been issued at the time of recording these interviews we really do recommend giving ambush a watch if you're a fan of star trek and we'll include the youtube link in the show notes it really is a huge achievement that everyone involved with can be massively proud of okay we're here with greg Locke to talk about his fan film, Ambush, a fan film of Star Trek, of course. What else? I'm here <laughs> with else? my regular co-host, Matt. Hello. Paul stepped out for a bit as uh, Greg and he had a violent clash over <laughs> Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and the differing opinions on that. Uh, so it would just be us interviewing Greg. So, Greg, what made you first want to make a Star Trek fan film? Because I remember... When I uh, first met you back in the day, you made a 24 fan oh, film. God. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, God, really? So is that, is that where I your think, love for the fan film I think first? I only ever saw the posters for that, but it looked the pretty posters? cool. Posters? Yeah. For the local audience. <laughs> for, 24, for 24 fan film was only because I had a friend who, in my opinion, was the spitting image of a younger Kiefer Sutherland. Stephen Trumbull, previous guest. Exactly. And I was just like, yeah, well, quite obviously, I... Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah, um, wasn't it like twenty four minutes? Yeah, we did film scenes for it. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen uh, shots of scenes and stuff. So basically, yeah, it was going to be called twenty four minutes because I was like, well, I can't do a full episode, I can't do a full season, so let's just do a, a twenty four minute. So it's still real time. But so, oh yeah, of course, right, right, still yeah, in real course, time. Yeah. It was either going to be twenty four minutes, or I was going to call it twenty four nineteen eighty. Because it was set in 1980. Because it was Jack Bauer year one. It was effectively, it? <laughs> yeah, Jack Bauer year one. Because um, Steve had no issues putting on an American Kiefer Sutherland accent, but none of us could do American accents, so of course it was going to be set in England. Right. Funny enough, this is one thing I was thinking, because this would have been for before Live Another Day, and yeah. also, w- was it also before... Season five with Peter Weller, which was like his his mentor. Mentor, because yeah, we had Jack Bauer's mentor in our films. You know, so you know, great minds think alike, motherfucker. Played by your good <laughs> self, wasn't it? Well, of course. You know, I, I was quite new. I, I was very aware that I could not. Um, this is all based. You know, it's all fantasy. I couldn't be Jack Bauer, but 
You could. I could. I could be. I could be Jack Bauer's mentor. I could <laughs> yeah. basically be like I Jack Bauer. I could be the Bauer. man who trained Jack Bauer. <laughs> so, so you, did you cast yourself as so, like the CTU support role? Well, so the story was Jack Bauer was kind of on like a student workplace, <laughs> <laughs> and boy, did it go wrong with, with MI6, uh-huh. of course. There was a joke that we were going to have him cross over with characters from Spooks, but I, uh, I, didn't, I, 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 troubles. I didn't watch Spooks, so I wasn't really worried about have that. <laughs> and yeah, so he came over to MI6 London, and um, basically just to help out, I don't know, do a photocopying or make the tea or something. <laughs> and, um, Having pranks played on him. <laughs> <laughs> and naturally, a, um, a big terrorist threat um, happens. We had plenty of like an In24 where they do the previously on 24 we were going to do one of those just to like recap an entire season in 30 seconds. <laughs> oh right, leading up to this Where point. Basically it was the terrorist had hijacked a stealth fighter because that was a bit of new technology at the time. Right. And it was en route to... And you London. had access to one of those, obviously. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It was en route to London and it was going to... We knew it was going to take out a target in London. We did not know what it was. And um, we had just captured a Russian a, you know, insurgent. And yeah, and then... Um, Basically, it all, ca- it all climaxed with these, in these 24 minutes where we tortured the Russian guy to find out where the um, base of operations were for the terrorists. So this was and like the uh, last 24 minutes of a proposed finale. Yeah, effectively. Right. And we had, um, like we had a scene, so the opening scene, the character I was going to play was called Sean Carter, who was basically the Jack Bauer of MI6. He was like head of field ops. He was the one who... I even grade. I've even got like great highlights in my hair for it to actually make my twenty-year-old self look a bit. Um, but yeah, it never. We filmed a few scenes. I think we filmed everything apart from the final action sequence. <laughs> the revive, revive. Um, but this isn't twenty-four light. This no. is Spock light. Uh, but this is a, you know an, a, an eye into the origins of your fan film movie making. Uh, but you know, presumably Star Trek is the thing you're the biggest well, fan of. You were always working towards yeah, the well, idea. Yeah, if you ask why like Star that. Trek, Star Trek is what got me into storytelling. It's kind right. of what I you know, really was inspired by. The nature of making films in the way I've made them with friends and who are professionals now within the industry, and it's getting like your friends and colleagues together to make something... It's getting harder and harder. Yeah, because certainly. We've all got lives to live, you know, we've all got... People got mortgages, people are married, people have got kids, and getting everyone, mm. and of course people got work commitments, mm, and getting yeah. everyone together. There is always the toughest part to wrangle the people. And so I kind of realised that the way things are going, I could probably just about get one more film out of all my friends. So if that was to be, like, for Swan Song, it would have to be a Star Trek film. Hence why uh, Ambush came about. And at this pivotal moment, we've been joined by fellow co-host... Paul Wilson, Hello. welcome to the interview. He's, accept- he's, he's accepted that Star Trek V is a good Star Trek film and he's... Uh, he, he, he's come here. back in. Now we've finally agreed to stop talking about 24, he's, he's come back. Uh, okay, so Star Trek Ambush, or as it's now known, Ambush, because of well, the new CBS the new guidelines. guidelines it's it's full out. title will have to be Ambush, a Star Trek fan production. Is that oh, actually has title. to be that in is the title? Part of the uh, the guidelines oh, issue. What's that problem? Like, they Boy. can't let people have fun, can they? You can't even have a Star Trek story because that's a big <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when exactly. you started this, the rulings was different. So when I started this, there were no guidelines about fan films. Mm. We were all very lucky, to be honest, in the fact that 
we for years people have been making fan films and Paramount were turning a blind eye so we were very fortunate and grateful for them for for doing that and mm. allowing it but as times have moved on and technology's got better I assume that you know production value has got so much better and it's you know it's been getting harder and harder to it's sort rivaling of rivaling the real yeah, yeah. yeah completely blunt there are fan productions out there better than Nemesis better than Nemesis <laughs> and Into Darkness yeah I... so you can see why Paramount will probably get in a little bit edgy just trying to regulate it rather than shut it all down there was yeah. also you know I have no connection to Paramount so I don't know the exact reasons you know I can speculate anyone can speculate mm. there probably were some financial implications as well obviously with um, the age of Kickstarter campaigns Indiegogo mm. People have been raising significant amounts of money mm. on Star Trek fan productions, so you know that may have been a bit of because at the end of the day, if there is a a profit scene and you know intellectual property. I mean, Ambush had a successful Kickstarter campaign, um, but I don't think Paramount are going to chase us for our four grand and be, uh, in <laughs> no. the grand, in the grand scheme of a multi-million billion dollar franchise i mean as you say there are other productions out there that are kind of raising a, a huge amount of money i mean it, you know i mean obviously even in comparison to the budgets that they've got to work with with the likes of something like star trek beyond it, it may seem small but i think what it is is if you look at some of these productions although in the grand scheme of things their budgets may remain reasonably small the amount of people working on them tend to be professionals who are doing well, it out of love so therefore yeah. their production value is, is stratosphorically right. increased but also when you mentioned professionals we have also got there's numerous uh, instances of um, actual Star Trek actors working on fan productions Chekhov uh, yeah Walter Koenig's been in one playing Chekhov yeah we yeah. have um George Decay. George Decay's done suit rep- uh, Nichelle Nichols has done Uhura. There's characters from actors from like Enterprise series reprising roles. Um, I think you know because it's always talked about the uh, the curse of Star Trek actors, which is like unless your name's Patrick Stewart or William Shatner, if you're going to play a character on a long-running TV series, that is the only role you're ever going to do. Yeah, we see a lot of these actors at conventions, and I think you know they just. Haven't got much. They've got a lot of time on their hands, so yeah. And I there is a you know, they'll but they love Star Trek as well. They're happy to come back, and I think that may be another because that is one of the guidelines that Paramount have now issued is no actors that have actually been on Star Trek. Oh, can really? Be in production. And what's the? Has there been any like documented reaction by Star Trek former actors to that ruling? I haven't seen any myself yeah because I wonder if like you know if they are making a little bit of a sideline it's you know it's one thing to go and you know, get your autographs and sell them for 20 pounds or 20 dollars I suppose you're ahead like you know that's one way of making money after Trek but you know to be in a, an actually doing what you actually were intended to do yeah. just act it's so sad for somebody to come between you and that option you know yeah exactly I saw and, I... unless you do like you know under layers of makeup and it's like a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, hidden when, secret I'm... but then you might argue then, oh, what's the point? What's the point, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I've seen you know, the fan productions that get Trek actors, they will brag about it. And fair play to them, I would love yeah. to get Trek actors yeah. on. You're not going to yeah, get George Takei on your show and shut up about it. No. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and also, but when they say that about, oh, no Trek actors, do they mean no Trek actors playing the characters uh, from the show? There's no... Um, 
there's no sort of discrimination on that. The, the guideline says something along the lines of, it's not just actors, it's any professional that has wow. worked on Star Trek. <laughs> so so they really is. That can't get to bed to edit it. No, <laughs> you know. He's locked out. Sorry. So it's really, really, in that regard, I mean, that is restricted, isn't it? Because then it's just like anyone who's ever worked on a Star Trek production basically, like if you were says, extra. you can't do it you out of a job. It's, you know the way it's worded, it's like if you were an extra, if you were a T-boy, you know. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I got another hot catering job. You start your family. Yeah, no, was wrong. Would there be a situation if you were offered a chance to be a Trek member of the crew, like, you know, on a, on a production, You'd lock would you actually early. just lock yourself out of both? Re- reverse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, if, I, if I was approached by Paramount to say, Greg Locke, we yeah. think you're an amazing actor, be on our show. Yeah. Would I lock up? Be like, sorry guys, <laughs> yeah. according to yeah. your guidelines. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I think well, I if you play like Vulcan number four around the back and it's like, oh, I was barely in it, why? <laughs> I would probably go with whichever one pays better and yeah. as one of them I'm paying for myself, I think Paramount might be more. I think, you know, Ambush, an Alan Smithy film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, when you started developing Star Trek Ambush, uh, number one, how long ago was it you actually started thinking about doing this? Is it not just the idea of making a Star Trek fan film, but this one? I think I'd always, when I was at college, I would always come up with my ideas for a Star Trek crew, what I would like a Star Trek crew to be. I would often sort of be drawing my own little starships and kind of my own little crazy ideas. Um, I had an interest in filmmaking then. I was doing media studies, film studies, all that. But I'd never assumed that I would ever have the means to actually do any of it. It was always just a dream. Mm. It's quite daunting, isn't it? It'd be a big sci-fi. Yeah. 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 Even yeah. if you do exactly. a small like bottle episode type, it's still a you know, set. We're, you know. we're very much kind of... I always consider myself almost like a Kevin Smith where I would make films with whatever I had. So, you know... Nothing. <laughs> he, he had a convenience store... He made clerks in the convenience store. That was kind of like, yeah. there was no way I was ever going to be able to do a, a space adventure. And then it was probably in about 2013, um, I was having a, a chat with a good friend of mine, Tom Savile. I think we just got onto the subject of how technology in filmmaking has improved and mm. become cheap or affordable. Yes. Basically, and how it's, it is now possible to potentially make films that we once dreamed of making years ago, but assumed we could never do it and that was when I started seriously thinking oh actually all these Star Trek ideas I was having years ago maybe this is now the time, the time to actually do yeah. it yeah. and so now I mean you wrap production right well we were about to wrap production we have one more scene to uh, shoot of Ambush and then the guidelines came out which is going so to Patrick Stewart's cameo is out of the window. Unfortunately, so cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. You know, we just we just have to. I told you to keep quiet about it. Another kiss scene <laughs> cut. <laughs> so the the guidelines came out last year, and um, and basically the guidelines are going to mean that Ambush is going to have to change from the original vision a little bit. Basically, I, I kind of see the guidelines as an artistic challenge, which... Yeah, they, I think they're guidelines. To actually, yeah. And if anything, I'm grateful that we've got them, because mm. it means that, you know, we can exhibit the film without yeah. any... Mm. As long as we stick to them, we can exhibit the film without any fear of repercussions and everything. And I kind of see it, it's quite nice sometimes to be told that this is your 
It's almost like and getting, getting given the dead minute. Yeah, and it, it puts every other fan production now on like the same playing field. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And, but and, it's using your limitations to your advantage, yeah. isn't it? Like you say, I think you'd take a really positive attitude to it, and it kind of hopefully will actually result in a better final product. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely provided the opportunity to, to do that. Yeah, so, definitely. And you're you're happy with what you've shot? The scenes, are, yeah, for what we've shot, the scenes we're editing together, I'm loving what we've got. Okay. Um, what know. were uh, what were some of your biggest challenges on the day? Was there a particular day that really stood out as being this is the tough stuff? Everything to get we shot outside. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it rained on every single oh. day. Um, Space rain. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we had to. Um, there's one day we did have to just shut down shop for for day because it just weather just got so. So, so bad. That was the biggest challenge. It was better for sets. Building, filming our sets was great because we just had complete control. But getting up to that point was because I was mainly sort of just me with a couple of, I'll get help from a friend here and there. But building these sets and there was lots of R&D involved mm. and lots of things which didn't quite work out. And then just, you know, it was quite an overwhelming challenge to did you self-impose deadlines on those days? Because would tried, you have been tinkering with the set for? I tried to put not? deadlines on, but everything just kept going over. Um, you know, it's the first time I sort of built on that kind of scale, so there was lots of. It took a lot longer mm. than anticipated. Mm. But the space where the sets were made, like they didn't, that space didn't need that space back anytime soon. So there wasn't a clock on it. I was on the for shuttlecraft set. Um, I was a clock was put on right. the. Um, I was given like about four months notice before um, it wasn't malicious or anything but the um, it was my stepdad who was renting the building he um, for his own business and I was using part of it he no longer required that building so he wasn't going to be mm. renting it and I was, had about four months to finish the set and uh, get filmed which we did so what's your plans for your next a production are you are you going to stay in filmmaking you I'd like to springboard once this comes out you'll reevaluate your yeah I'd, I'd like to um, I'm hoping this does give me a bit of you know a boost a calling card you know, but it would be, have to be a completely original idea and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah don't want to be getting involved in this situation again I, I yeah. know if you've already come with that this is your your one shot at the trek like yeah universe. yeah, yeah it's, that's it it'll be one shot trek um just pull JJ and do a Star Wars one next. <laughs> Fox's lawyer's already on the phone about that 24 family. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, yeah, certainly. I mean, that would be, it'd be really interesting to see where you go next. We all can't wait to see it, especially mm-hmm. me as I'm actually in I've it. I've heard so much about it now. I'm very <laughs> like, yeah, yeah exactly. the views, I guess getting little bits drip, drip fed, like, you know, and just excited to see how it all comes together. Yeah, I understand. So it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on yeah, talking about it, mate. Um, uh, and we look forward to seeing it. <laughs> So, Tom, how did you become involved with Ambush? It's pretty much Greg just approached me and, and said he, he, he wanted to do a Star Trek fan film for quite a while. Actually, he wanted to do this story for quite a while because I remember actually back in uni he had done, he'd done various sketches and, and, and stuff, you know, little... Um, I actually wonder whether or not he wanted to turn it into a into a comic book beforehand. I think that might yeah, be right. Yeah, he he just wanted he just wanted to he had a really cool idea and he just kind of just wanted to get it out. Yeah, it was uh, it was the beginning of 2014. He said like, look, I, I kind of because uh, he's he's a paramedic uh, as he is probably also mentioned in 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 this yeah, edition yeah, yeah. as well. And so yeah, he wanted he just, I think he just wanted to get back into filmmaking and just do something really really 
Worthwhile, other than worth- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, worthwhile. Something that gave yeah. a little bit more to the community, like yeah. making a Star Trek fan film. Yeah, like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's fed up with delivering babies, so like, yeah, <laughs> worthless <laughs> babies. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, it's uh, yeah. So he, he approached me and he said, oh, "I want, I want, I want to do it." And obviously, you know, to do to do it decently, he need a bit of cash, and so he said, "Do you want to do you want to embark on a on a Kickstarter project?" So what you were about to say? You, here's a pyramid of here's how a... the money grows as we uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should say that because yeah, what well, yeah, one of the main things was yeah, it was um, I think that was why we were able to hit a really good Kickstarter. Um, uh, result because um, I think we, we were just looking for just like a, a grand or something like that just basically mm. to just set us on our way to you know pay for building sets and all, all that sort of stuff and we got I think we got like three times as much as we yeah, asked well, I think, yeah I got more than that whether well, or not that was yeah. because the, the goal was so low but I think um, you know I think it's because it's great when you have a pre-existing property like Star Trek. There's a lot of people paying yes. attention to that sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah, that that was great. After a really, really good campaign, we thought, oh, great, fine. And I, um, yeah, I, I just I wanted to help out because I just enjoy doing this stuff, you mm. know. So we used we used my camera uh, and a couple of my lights, and um, we shot in a uh, in a actually in and around the New Forest to begin with. You know, we didn't mm. need to build set sets immediately which was which was great just great from a um just from from a budget point of view because it's you know the uh it's set on the sort of a, a romulan planet and i think it's it's nice to uh to shoot a, a fan film for star trek that isn't kind of just set in the like in the desert or something like that you know we've, yeah, we've got a nice yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. like it plays you know we we made the um we made the the locations around the new forest play to its strengths you know mm. it, it was it had a nice heavy kind of I was gonna say rainy because we're in the UK, but no, actually, it was really, it was really good. Like a really nice, heavy atmosphere with some really good, you know, just sort of really good flora and fauna that actually works well for American audiences if you're not mm. used to kind of seeing the UK. Um, but yeah, the costumes were really nicely, nicely put together by mm. uh, by himself and, and his and his mum. And yeah, I, I so I'm in it as well. Yeah, uh, your role is multi-pronged, isn't it? You're acting in yeah. it. You're doing special effects. You're. Yeah. I'm shooting the thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. So I'm the, I'm the director of photography. Mainly because it's my camera, uh, but also <laughs> don't touch it. Also, so, yeah, also because yeah, I, I again, I just I, I enjoy doing that and kind of figuring out a really good look, you know, yeah. for a project. And, did you um, um, did you take inspiration off any particular era of Trek for the look? Was was that more Greg's thing? Or were you like, I've got a certain idea here. I'm gonna like get loads of lens flare in, do a JJ, and yeah. Well, you know, we but as as you know, we've been we've been friends for yeah, I don't know since we were, we were like. 10 11 so like you know we, we go way back so we're always we're always you know quoting films and aware you know aware of you know of the various tropes and stuff so we would make fun of we'd make fun of jj for his lens flares and all that sort of stuff so yeah we we knew about kind of visual language and kind of what we wanted to do i um as far as the design goes um you know you could see from what yeah greg greg's great because he has a um he's a very um he's a very clear idea of the kind of the things he wants the kind of stuff that he doesn't want, but at the same time, he's very open to collaboration. Yeah, so like yeah, yeah it's, just, it's going to work on that. And there were a few things I thought, like, ah, uh, yeah, um, and it's it, it's 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 funny because obviously, uh, you know, uh, JJ had to had to do this with his designers in two thousand nine. You know, you need to address certain things uh, design wise because, of course, the original series 
was, you know, look the way it did because that's the stuff they had at the time yes. and it's a product of the times. Everyone's wearing colourful shirts on a on a on a planet that, you know, they would probably get the, the atmosphere would probably rip them apart. You know, so like you've got um <laughs> and and also the fact that so the, the title of this film is Star is Star Trek Ambush. It's it's um it it, it's it's yeah <laughs> now it's ambush. Um <laughs> for legal reasons. Um <laughs> And the reason why is because you know this is a this is like a it's almost like a black ops kind of thing you know it, it's 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 a kind of a, um, uh, the, the trailer is actually out on on YouTube anyway but yeah. it, it's it's very much about it's a little kind of rescue mission phases at, at the ready pretty much drawn so having having brightly coloured traditional kind of uniforms you know it's it kind of not a good idea so we had to kind of figure out ways to like okay can we just maybe just We'll you know we'll collaborate together just to maybe make things a little bit more believable within the world of the film that we're creating because yeah. I I like Star yeah as, as you know as I'm here I like Star Trek you know um, I've seen I've seen a lot of a lot of Star Trek I you know, even though I'm not as familiar with the original series you know uh, uh, as he is which is very familiar too uh, you know, I, familiar too familiar <laughs> I you know I you know, I like it I like the characters I like I like the world that, that that's been created we wanted to be true to that but I actually kind of to answer your question it. I, I approached it as I as I would a, a just a solid sci-fi film. It would be shot responsibly for the tone that the script had, and also, by the way, because it was such a even though we did do a Kickstarter, it was such a micro budget that you know everyone everyone did it for free. You know the money went on you know, much much required you know bits of kit and costume and you know and set building stuff, of which there was still a lot of big borrow and steel. Um, but it was yeah, it was it was shot. Every film should be shot, lit, and acted, you know, to the to the tone of the mm. of the the script and the, and the project mm. and, and, and the vision that that, that it had. So uh, so yeah, no no weird crazy twisty shots, no lens flares, but also it's not it's not shot like a kind of a panto either. Like it's a, it's an infiltration mission. Uh, you know, from from a, especially from a DOP point of view, I think you know we tried to shoot to the uh, shoot and light it that would best complement. The sets and the costumes. I think we've. I think hopefully we've done that. And also make it easier for visual effects to yeah. kind of be implanted. Yeah. And well, what's good as as the as the, as again as the VFX supervisor as well. <laughs> <laughs> they had like three, four hats rotating yeah, on production on set. But the um, yeah, it's we kind of wanted to say, look, apart from obvious things like phaser blast and stuff, you know. Let's try and keep everything as in camera as possible. There's, we didn't use a single bit of green screen shooting this. There's, there's, um, there'll be a tiny little bit of set extension, but not really, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because an amazing Romulan base set yeah. got built and, and an even better well, shuttle. I stood yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly, yeah. And an even better shuttlecraft, you know, yeah, got, got awesome. made. And so, and you know, we shot it in a way where, you know, there we're not trying to be lazy, we're, <laughs> but, we're, yeah. uh, but we're also not, you know, just saying... Because if you if you shoot if you go out and shoot a movie I've had I've had experience with this before if you shoot a movie which is lazy in the uh, lazily ambitious I kind of call it in the fact that yes. oh we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of green screen we're gonna do a lot of set extension and all that sort of stuff uh, in post these movies never get finished mm. because you just you know the people involved just kind of lose faith and interest because mm. because there's a whole nother mountain to climb in post but actually if, if you shoot everything in camera or as much as you can in camera again this is obviously a film that's set on different planets and you're know, in space and everything um 
then you, you inevitably make it easier for the actors and it's a joy to frame up because you can see everything and it's just, it's just kind of, you can actually make really good cutting decisions. Mm. Well, thank you, Tom. We look forward to it, mate. No, thanks. Cheers. So it's January 2nd, 2017, and we're joined by David Chumble, one of the cast members of Ambush. Um, It's just me and Paul here at the moment. Matt isn't about, but sitting in his seat is David so he is now surplus to requirements (laughs) David I'd like to offer you the official position of third in the spotlight (laughs) co-host poor man (laughs) I'll tell you what it's hard to fill his shoes though of course of course we we are of course joking I'm happy though and honoured to serve as your brothers from another mother (laughs) so how did you get involved with Ambush um, I got involved with Ambush because me and my brother Steve have known Greg uh, ever since we went to film school together, okay. much like yourself. Yeah. And uh, so he's we've been so aware of his uh, his love of all things Trek because we're also Trekkies. And so when he decided he wanted to make a movie set in the classic series timeline, it was it was almost not even spoken. It was almost a not, it wasn't even like discussed that we would be he involved. Just he just called us <laughs> saying, "Right, here's the story. Here's the script." And then he sent it to us to do uh, some polishing and revisions on it because uh, he, he likes uh, um, our points of view as screenwriters. Because you we, write and, as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We write. And, and we've actually worked and written for and starred in various projects of each other's mm. over the years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you and I have also collaborated on things that have also included the same group, group, group of people. Well, actually, yeah. You, Greg, and I all worked together on The Shift, a short film you made back in 2010 yes. about uh, London paramedics. Which was actually a passion Bring project of, Greg. Greg, of Greg's yeah. as well, because Greg originated the character of the paramedic in that film. That was a character he'd been trying to get into a short film for um, many a year when we were in film school. And then when, when we left film school, I decided that I like I had this opportunity to make a, um, a short film. I was like, why don't I just call Greg up and say, hey, you know that character we always wanted to do a film about, that mm. paramedic character called Damon? If, if I find the funding for it and, and I write the screenplay, um, which I also did in, in collaboration with Matt Brothers, yeah. Um, then then you can come and and play the character like you always wanted to, and you could add so much authenticity to it because you because Greg uh, is also a paramedic. Well, it's based on his yeah. own experiences. Based on his own experiences. Yeah. So so yeah, we've we've worked on many different things together. We also were in Noose. Uh, uh, um, um, I directed a, a, yeah. a, 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 a series of shorts which you and Greg both started. And they're kind of sci-fi fantasy based as yeah. well. So kind of perfect precursor to Ambush. Who are you playing in the film? Um, I play Tarek who is a very dark and enigmatic Romulan agent uh, okay. who is uh, subservient to your character, Tesolius, yeah. but has uh, um, a secret within the heart of his character that hints at a future master plan that your character has. Just like in real life. Just uh, like in real life, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yes, so have you you've finished shooting all your scenes now, haven't you? You're all done, because I believe there are a couple of pickups, but being that you now live out in the States, yes. hopefully you're all done. It was very important that we got all of my stuff done. In fact, I had to cut my hair just before I left, even though I just got my hair back to the length that I like it. I had to cut my hair, because I have to fit into a classic 
Romulan helmet from the original series that we actually ordered on spec, like from from an actual prop maker who who makes classic series memorabilia. We actually had to. It's a very unflattering gold plated helmet. And I look quite, a bit like a gay Iron Man. It's when I'm quite in. specific then. It's like so they wouldn't have those on the shelf. On no, side. indeed. Had this had to be made to order, <laughs> and and I actually originally fronted my own cash for it, and then Greg paid me back out of the budget. But yeah, I had to cut my hair to, to get into the helmet, and we shot my stuff. We front loaded the schedule with all the the scenes that my character was included in. Did you get to keep the helmet, or was that being sold back? To I Gilder? gifted it back to Greg because after I left, there was a bunch of uh, other scenes inside the Romulan um, base where other guys with the helmet were. Wearing it. So oh, a couple yeah. of other crew members and cast members sure. get to wear it. Stretching that budget. And then we've got to give that helmet to some lucky Kickstarter backer probably. Yeah, <laughs> like, indeed, indeed. I think it was quite uncomfortable, wasn't it? It was. Actually, uh, I'm sure I told you this at the time we were filming. I think you did. I got incredibly uh, claustrophobic inside I was going to say aroused. I know you kept... You wouldn't have told. You wouldn't have been able to tell, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> I, know you, I, know you, I know you kept wanting to take it off. I kept wanting to take it off because everyone else was having kind of a reasonably good time. And I, so was I. I, I. It was a lot of fun. Like the, you, you can never really complain even though it's like long hours it was of very cold. cold wherever we were it was yeah. very cold it was a cold set and I at the time you know, William Freakin like Greg Lock yeah. 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 Like, yeah just Roman in costumes are not warm they're not all. warm they're or not, flattering not and got I was, thermal insulation <laughs> I was walking around in what was essentially like I felt like I was dressed in something that wouldn't have it wouldn't have even served as as uh, for the Holy Grail like it like it it was it was like a, I was I was in a, a chainmail chainmail like kind of style thing, tunic thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and a cloak and it's it's absolutely wonderful because we want to be true to the original series yeah the they look really cool yeah and, and you looked fantastic oh thanks man um in in your costume and you had to, you got to go full ears and everything yeah um, I've got the kind of the yeah the, yeah, the, the ears I mean it's weird because they're yeah. Because what Romulans are something to do with Vulcans, I'm showing my non tracky like um, uh, they share stuff. DNA, right? So they, they, they have the same origin. We've got Vulcan esque ears, haven't we? Like yeah. Yeah, in it, which I had to have put on with kind of you know hours in the makeup chair and such. Yeah, like, the uh, original episode where the Romulans are introduced, which I believe is the, the the episode that Greg bases the inspiration for this film on. Mm. It's almost like the Rogue One of that episode, Balance of Terror. Yeah. It, Balance it's of terror, a, it's a follow-up a follow-up to Balance of Terror. It happens after, I believe, the events of Balance of Terror. Captain, standing by to beam your survivors aboard our ship. Prepare to abandon your vessel. No. No, it's not our way. I regret that we meet in this way. You and I are of a kind, in a different reality. I could have called you friend. But it's kind of like the lost story of a mission that takes place after um, the Enterprise crew end up I having their battle of wits with that Roman fighter. Like there's a, there's an audience for tangential stuff you love. Yeah, the, that's very the, true. storyline. Mm. People just want to see a bit more of that universe. Mm. Especially within yeah. a great a universe where they built a whole world with endless amounts of canon and characters. Yeah. I mean, mm. Star Trek and Star Wars uh, are not just similar because they have the word star in the title. They are fully realized worlds Expanded that you can spend, you can spend endless yeah. hours and countless stories. It's in. the love yeah. of the set dressing and those kind of the art direction that makes that world. You mm. buy into it. You don't feel like it is just 
the end of the set. You feel mm. like there are other planets. You they build that great sense of just seeing Star Wars by itself. You would mm. always feel like there's this is just one small part of the galaxy, and there's so much more to know. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I actually feel like Rogue One is an excellent comparison to Ambush in many ways because. Yeah. It's that thing of like completely new characters mm. and a darker tone, a yeah. darker, more kind of action-based tone almost yeah. than the series itself, and that's kind of be like you say, it's proved yeah. that it's it's clearly popular. Well, I mean, if you think about it, um, because ambush is about a rescue mission that happens after the clash in Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror is like a submarine movie in a um, in a classic series episode it's essentially stalking each other in outer space and they can't see each other for the most part and they're trying to outwit each other the, mm. the two captains of the two ships whereas this is it, it's very rogue one-esque in in so much as this is a war movie version of what that episode was yeah this is about a team that do uh the slightly more intensive uh combat based uh, missions that the uh the federation keep more quiet than their their more altruistic endeavors um, this is about a team that's sent in to rescue a commander that has been taken captive mm. by the Romulans. But little do they know, your character and mine are serving a, a much uh, more uh, insidious mission. And you got to do some fisticuffs in this, didn't you? Yes, I did. And it was so much fun because I got to fight with my twin brother, Stephen. So that's something you're captain. used to. You know, it's something that we've been doing <laughs> our whole lives. We've been training for this <laughs> since birth. It's yeah. all been leading up to ever since. Fun. Ever since he kicked me in the face on the way out of the room, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why he was 20 minutes early. And you had like, proper fight choreography and training for it, didn't you? Yes, we uh, we trained with a guy called Ronin Trainer. Yeah. Uh, uh, what a great name yeah, for a trainer. Ronin amazing Trainer. Name. His his, his, what he does is literally in his name. But also, like samurai, uh, master samurai. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 yet you go to his house, which is like kitted up to be a place where you can learn to fight. There's like wow. a padded room, but he's just this normal bloke who's like, "Do you want a cup of tea?" And then he teaches you how to like do these. Things. And then we'll go into my dojo. Indeed, indeed. And and uh, and and so we actually. It was so much fun because, you know, this was like a year or two after Winter Soldier had come out. And yes. all me and my brother wanted to do was have a fight like Cap and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> just like we just wanted to <laughs> and just have one of those really intensive fights where they just don't stop and they keep going. And because Greg also really wanted to do it, to, to, to take it seriously. I mean, obviously, this is a fan film about um, from a series where everyone dresses in silly costumes and, and the sets were made out of plywood and stuff. But... At the same time, we wanted to do it justice, and we also wanted to make it a fight that was you know, that people have put effort into, and and it was actually the way that the fighting styles of the two characters are are both equally matched but different. You know, all of that was considered, and it was a great uh, pleasure to do that, especially with Steve, because he, if you watch him in the fight, I know you've seen a cut of it. Uh, I've seen Steven a rough is cut. A yeah, bear in that fight. Mm. He's such a swinger. He's such a slugger. And, and and he plays that captain like a like a boxer. Yeah, because you know? your brother Stephen, who um, we're going to talk to as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's playing the captain of the ambush, isn't he? Of the USS ambush. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, all the fights. Captain the, Maddox, Mad Maddox. That's it. Yeah, all, all <laughs> the fights in the film do look really impressive because I know that uh, Sylvie and Ivan have yes. a fight as well. Of course, in reality, they're husband and wife so yeah. it's husband and wife brother and brother yes. like, it's just like the why is Greg making the all these relations the number of personal like... scores being settled in this film yeah. off <laughs> camera no. <laughs> I mean it, it, it's kind of funny because like uh, I, I think when you love someone actually uh, like 
when when Sylvie and Ivion got married, mm. their first dance was in fact a fight scene. It was a choreo? Was a sword fight? Oh, yeah. They could because because they have gone to fight training and, and sword swordsman classes because they're both acting students who have uh, who love performance and love fight choreography and they love stunt work. So I mean, like for, for them, it was, so it was just another day. Like, yeah, it's just another yeah. day for them, and they yeah. did it fantastically. I mean, I I, I I definitely viewed myself as the least the least nuanced of the of the fighters in in the whole sequence. Were but. you writing? To their strengths in terms of like you know we know them to be this you know sword fighters we need to get a bit of them in or did it kind of go, yeah oh, actually Greg really utilizes everybody um, exactly uh, to uh, what he knows they're capable of I mean even myself and Stephen playing antagonists mm. um, has a, a, a hidden uh, meaning yeah that uh, that that becomes apparent by the time you get to the end of yeah, the film that's true um so it's, and 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 when it came to casting Sylvie and Ivan, i mean i wasn't privy to that decision in fact we were given the story outline and the first try at the script from greg and he had already named everyone he told us who we were playing and everything and yeah. that was never in dispute and that was the thing we always trusted him on because yeah. he he's very strong and forceful about these things and he'd even done some quick sketches of what our costumes would look like and so it was very exciting for me and Stephen to be contributing to the screenplay going like oh actually like I'm playing this guy you're playing this guy and here's what we have to play with yeah so was it yeah. would you say like the fighting element was like the thing that you were most like get out of your element with you know it was also the part that I wanted to defer the most you know to you know I, I mean that was something that I know nothing about other than being really a huge fan of fight scenes so all I did was just try not to make a fool out of myself and try not to hit Stephen in the face and not try not to slip up in the mud when we were you know tussling around in the um, in the field mm. how did it feel kind of working on the actual kind of built set of the Romulan uh, ship and stuff like that well that was glorious because yeah. like who doesn't any fan of Trek or even just a like a even a casual fan of science fiction like who doesn't get transported when you go into like a shed or a garage yeah. from the outside and then you go past these like walls that are just plywood and then you suddenly you're in a, a Romulan base with all these mm. lights and, and smoke machines and pyrotechnics yeah. and, and, you do, and you do become a little kid because even though technology has advanced a lot it's it's actually beautiful to, to be in a set that is not dissimilar from what they did when they made the original episode. Of yeah, of to evoke that classic retro feel. Yeah. Even even the 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 slightly more low budget um, quality of the shoot worked in its favor, I believe, mm. because because a it looks really great. With the, um, yeah, it did a huge. He did a great like Greg's yeah. a great set builder as well, yeah. and and I mean. This, the, the, some of the footage I saw from the shuttlecraft scenes that I wasn't there for yeah. look fantastic yeah, as well really but the magic of it is absolutely part of what Trek is yes you know I, I would say that you know the suspension of disbelief is, is it, and, and the belief in, in worlds when everyone's walking around with silly voices and silly, silly ears and, and, and model ships that's part of the magic of Trek and that's something I'm glad that was preserved even though we were making it as seriously as we could well, I think that's a really nice moment to end on, really. Thank you very much for speaking to us, Dave, and can't wait to see you in the film. Thanks, my pleasure. Do you have children? I had children. Have you ever seen a child's face light up when they find a new game? When a child finds a good game, they have to play it. It's in their nature. They stumble, they fall, they improvise.